You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Now on today's show, I'm going to continue my discussion from last week when it comes to Starling Marte, but we're going to focus on how much money he could make in free agency. In the first segment, I'll go through his career and how Marte has established this market that he's about to enjoy. In the second segment, I'll talk about this past season and also go through some comps of different players that have signed contracts that could tell us how much money Marte could make, what that range is going to be. And then in the last segment, I'll give my prediction for how much money Marte is going to get and if that will be with the New York Mets. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, Follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at JustBaseball.com, where I actually just wrote a free agent profile on Starling Marte that should be up in the coming days. So let's go through his career, all right? Starling Marte was signed as an international free agent in 2007 when he was 18 years old, coming out of the Dominican Republic, one of the first to be part of the Pittsburgh Pirates Latin American complex down there. Now, Marte would eventually make a name for himself and was in the Futures game in 2011. That season in AA, Marte hit 332, a 370 on base, 500 slugging percentage. He had 58 extra base hits, scored 91 runs, uh, played in 129 games. Going into the following season in 2012, Marte was finally considered a top 100 prospect by Baseball America, coming in at number 73 on their list was also ranked as the number four prospect in the Pirates' farm system. That season, Marte spent 99 games in AAA, hit 12 home runs, 13 triples, and 21 doubles. That shows you the type of talent he is, a five-tool type player. They already had Andrew McCutcheon at the big league level. This was their chance to form a dynamic duo out in that outfield, and they promoted the 22-year-old, and in doing so, he became the first graduate of that complex in the Dominican Republic. So that was significant at the time. And he certainly got off to a great start. The first pitch he saw at the big league level, he hit a home run off Dallas Keuchel. And that was actually the first time a pirate has done that homer on their first pitch since 1922. Marte didn't have the best rookie season. He played 47 games hit 257, uh, 300 on base, 437 slugging percentage, 14 extra base hits was pretty solid, but He struck out 50 times in 182 plate appearances, 27.5% strikeout rate, but still showed enough that he was the future. He was going to be out there starting next to Andrew McCutcheon. McCutcheon at the time, five-tool superstar center fielder. Marte wanted to get to that point, but for the time being, he was second fiddle, and those two formed a really good top in the lineup for the Pirates that did a ton of winning in those first years. They made the playoffs in Marte's first three full seasons, 2013 through 2015. During that span, 
they were 280 and 206. So a very healthy winning percentage. Uh, they only won the wild card game once, but again, made it there all three years. During that time, you had McCutcheon win an MVP. Uh, he was top five in the in the MVP voting for a four-year span, was top three, three of those seasons. Just incredible point of his career. And Marte, as I said, was in his shadow, but still making a name for himself. Won a gold glove in 2015, then won another in 2016, which was his real breakout season. The first time he got out from behind that shadow from Andrew McCutcheon and really made a name for himself, hitting 311 with a 362 on base percentage, a 456 slugging percentage, 48 extra base hits, and 47 steals in just 129 games played. Unfortunately, that all-star season, which actually is the only all-star season of his career up to this point, he ends up following that up by getting or by testing positive for steroids, and then he had to get suspended for those 80 games. That curtailed his 2017 season, lost a lot of momentum in his career coming off that. You got to dispel that narrative that you're a PED guy, which is going to linger around him for the remainder of his career, but he has performed ever since that suspension. He continues to be a threat on the base pass in the outfield, a really good bat in anyone's lineup. So he has been able to establish himself as a really good player, and I don't think anyone this past season when he was tearing it up at the Marlins or tearing it up in Oakland was talking about the steroids at that stage. But Starling Marte throughout his Pirates career was one of the best players that they had really outside of McCutcheon. He was the best player they had compiled a F war of 24 over those seven seasons from 2012 through 2019, which was the second best mark on the club behind McCutcheon. So a really solid player. He signed a team-friendly deal with the Pirates back in 2014, a six-year, $31 million contract that he certainly outperformed. That became a valuable contract that was traded three times over the last couple of years. First, from Pittsburgh to Arizona, then in the COVID-shortened season from Arizona to Miami, and then, of course, this past year got traded to Oakland after the Marlins failed to come to terms on an extension where they only offered him $30 million, I believe over three years. So uh, certainly did not give him the type of deal that would have kept him in Miami, even though he seemed to like playing for the Marlins. And now he will test his market after arguably the best season of his career. The question is, how big is that contract going to get? This is still a player that's going to be playing his age 33 season. How much money are teams going to be willing to spend? And more importantly, how many years will they give him? I'm going to give you some comps to Starling Marte that have signed recently, what they made and what that could tell us about his market this offseason. We'll get to that in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. You'll find fans just like you on Greenroom for watch parties, which we did throughout the 2021 season, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reaction to big news and rumors. Go download the free Greenroom app now, which is currently available on all devices. Create your profile, link your Twitter, join the MLB group for the latest league updates, and follow me at Finkelstein Ryan to be notified when my room goes live. 
I know you don't want to miss it. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Mets. I'll see you there. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Now, before we get into some comps of Starling Marte and and some contracts that could tell us what he will make this year in free agency, let's just go through the numbers that he put up this season. Marte hit 308, 381 on base, 456 slung percentage, stole 47 bases, matching that career high he had in his all-star season in 2016, hit 12 home runs, had 42 extra base hits, 55 RBIs, scored 89 runs, struck out 99 times and over 500 plate appearances. The strikeout rate was very solid at 18.8%. That's not crazy at all. The walk percentage, 8.2%. Fairly good, fairly strong for a player that'll hit a top your lineup, especially if he's going to hit over 300. Those walks are going to turn into that 381 on base percentage. So that was certainly solid enough. His WRC plus was 133. Now, again, that is weighted runs created plus. So that means he's 33% better than the league average hitter this past season. And for his career, you're looking at a player with a 118 WRC plus. Generally speaking, most years he's been in that range, 115 to, to a 120 WRC plus player. If you go back to my episode on Friday, uh, I was talking about how Marte compares to Curtis Granderson. Uh, in that episode, uh, we got through the numbers of how Granderson was great throughout his career, but really in 2015, he had that special season. That's very similar to the year that Marte just enjoyed for Granderson's other seasons. He was kind of in that same range as well, 116 to a 120 WRC plus player. So I don't know if you can expect that Marte is going to put up four seasons with the WRC plus over 130. I mean, we're going to talk about George Springer in a second. Springer, a better offensive player than Marte that is more capable of carrying the load offensively. What you would hope for if you sign Marte is you got one year like the one he just put up in 2021 and two or three where he was the player he's been on the back of his baseball card, a 116 WRC plus player that gives you good defense in the outfield, swipes and baggots, and it's just a, a consistent offensive player. But this year was the time to have a great season. And you go through some of the other numbers, uh, his F were a 5.4 best of his career four outs above average in center field. So he certainly proved that he can still play that position at his age. Uh, overall, he is the best outfielder on the market. And because of that, he's going to really be able to have his pick of the litter when it comes to the teams that he wants to play for, the money he's looking to get. I'm sure he's going to want a five-year deal. There's a chance that it might be a four-year deal with an option or some other machination that can make it a little bit more team-friendly depending on what that number ultimately is when it comes to the average annual value of his contract, but he's going to get paid. I mean, that is clear, and it's kind of set some parameters of, of where he might fall. I know there's that concern. If you sign him to a five-year deal, you're talking about paying for the age 33 through the age 37 seasons. That certainly will you know, give some teams some pause, but Look at Lorenzo Cain, a similar player who hit free agency a year earlier, about to hit his age 32 season going from the Royals to the Brewers, and he signed a five-year deal worth $90 million. So actually, was it 80? It was 80, actually. Excuse me. It's five years, $80 million. So 18 a year, 
for Lorenzo Kane. Now, Kane was not coming off the type of season that Marte is coming off of. Uh, doesn't have or didn't have quite the same power. Uh, on the bases, Marte may be a little more accomplished as a base dealer. Lorenzo Kane may be a little bit better defensively. But overall, similar players at similar stages of their career. I believe that's the floor we're talking about here. $18 million. I believe he'll get more than that, but that is the low end of what we're talking about. George Springer's the high end. Last offseason, he was the top free agent outfielder. He was coming off a good season. He got six years, 150. Now, he was also entering his age 31 season, so a couple years younger. He had three all-stars to his resume, two silver sluggers. Definitely was a better free agent than what Marte is, so that is the ceiling. There's no way he's making more than 150. He's probably not getting six years. So even if you attack that down to five years, maybe you're talking about the ceiling being five for 125. And I don't think he'll even reach that level. What I think we're looking at here is somewhere between those two contracts, between the 18 and the 25. Maybe you're talking 21, $22 million a year. Uh, I think that he could get a higher average annual value if he takes a shorter deal. So Let's just say he takes a three-year deal. Maybe he gets that full 25. Maybe he gets three for 75 because the team values that short-term contract and is willing to pay him more to get him on that shorter-term deal and not be committed long-term to a player that will be in their mid to late 30s by the end of a five-year contract. If he gets the five-year deal, maybe it's a little bit on the lower end. Maybe it's five for 100, a little bit more than that. There's certainly... A lot of ways this can go. It depends on how healthy his market is. You know, what teams are going to step up to try to sign a Starling Marte? The Mets going to be competing with just one or two teams like uh, Detroit Tigers that are are trying to establish themselves. They had a nice year. They're trying to build off that. Maybe they want an established vet to come in and almost have Marte play a similar role that he was playing for the Marlins the second half of the 2020 season and the first half of the 2021 season. Is there a team like the Yankees that's out there, another big market team that decides that Marte is the perfect fit to go in their outfield, start every day, and try to win a World Series? There's that possibility as well. Maybe the Angels get in the mix. There's so many different teams that can use a Starling Marte that it's hard to know for sure what his market's going to be until we actually get into the thick of free agency and we start to hear some reports about where he is leaning. But right now, When it comes to the contract he's going to enjoy, I would say most likely at least four years, possibly five, and he's probably going to make just north of $20 million. So if that puts you in the five-year 110 range where it's 22 a year for over five, that makes a lot of sense to me. The question is, will that make sense to the Mets? Should they sign Starling Marte if the price gets that steep? I will discuss that in just a minute. I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats and dessert is always the best part of any feast. But maybe this year you want a yummy dessert that just isn't full of so many calories and sugar, which is why this is the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious, but feel good about it. One slice of pie can be upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, with only 4 grams of sugar, but they are packed with plenty of protein. Replace that coconut cream pie with coconut built bar, or go for a raspberry built bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace your favorite pies. They come low in calories, low in carbs, 
low in fat, but they are high in protein. They're also covered in 100% chocolate, so they taste like candy bars. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two to get you through the morning to get to that Thanksgiving meal. There's new surprises all month. Limited time flavors are arriving at BuiltBar.com regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. BetOnline is back and better than ever. Now featuring a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines available than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Now, last week, I talked about why the Mets should sign Starling Marte this offseason. I compared him to Curtis Granderson, who the Mets signed in 2014. At the time, same age, Granderson gave the Mets an incredible season in 2015 that helped them get to a World Series. Marte, for a team that's trying to win now, could do something very similar. The question is, when it comes to your resources this offseason, is it worth it to spend upwards of $100 million on this 33-year-old center fielder? Starling Marte has been a good player throughout his career who just had a great season. Is he going to produce at that level again? Is he going to get paid as the player off the great season? And if so, do you trust that over a five-year deal? The end of the day, if the contract is something similar to what I outlined, a five-year, $110 million deal, let's just say, for argument's sake, maybe he gets 90 over the first four, and the last $20 million is an option year for the team where there's some type of a buyout. Maybe it's a buyout that gets him north of of $100 million, and it's something where you're really incentivized to pick up that option, or maybe it's a little more team-friendly and it's a mutual option. Who knows? Maybe you can attach it to games played. I don't know. There's a lot of ways that you can structure a contract, and it's just going to depend on what other teams are out there that are willing to offer Starling Marte close to a nine-figure deal. But if you are going to try to go all in and win now, the end of the day, I look at this market for free agency and I just don't see another player that fits what the Mets need more than Starling Marte. There's bigger impact players for sure. You want to go big? Sign Carlos Correa. Talked about in this show a little bit already. We'll talk about it more throughout the offseason. That's a player that can win an MVP in a Mets uniform and completely transform your lineup. So if you can get Carlos Correa, I understand why he makes a ton of sense. If you want to just bring Javi Baez back, it certainly fits. It'll keep Francisco Lindor happy. Chris Bryant's a free agent. He gives you that positional flexibility. He could be your starting third baseman. Or let's just say at some point in the season, a Brett Beatty or a Mark Vientos is knocking on the door and one of them established themselves at the big league level. Chris Bryant can move out and play right field, can play left field. Hell, I saw him play center field for the Giants in a playoff game. So, There are a lot of free agents the Mets can look towards. 
They could also look to the trade market. The Oakland A's are going to be selling this offseason. I'm actually going to be talking to Jason Burke, a locked on A's later on this week about Matt Chapman. That's a third baseman that should excite Mets fans. And we'll go through some different deals and we'll play GM and we'll both, you know, pitch trades back and forth and see what works there. But if you're talking about free agents and we've gone through some of the names already, I've talked about why I don't like Nick Castellanos because he's not a real outfielder. I've talked about, you know, some of the other names I already mentioned on today's show. Starling Marte is the one guy outside of a reunion of Michael Conforto that you can slot into your outfield next to Brandon Nimmo, whether it's in center field or right field, wherever you want to put those two, who's going to be above average defensively and will be a spark plug atop your lineup. Someone that can steal 47 bases because we just saw him do it. Someone that can score a ton of runs and be a table setter along with Nimmo and also, more importantly, provide insurance if Nimmo goes down. Because every year you go in with that question mark, what's going to happen if once again, Brandon Nimmo ends up on the IL for 40 games? And what do you do to get through that stretch of the season? Starling Marte, if he's not already starting in center, will be able to slot in for an injured Nimmo and carry that slack until Nimmo comes back if he does get injured. He is the perfect insurance plan there. And if they're both healthy, that's a really dynamic duo out in that outfield. And again, when we're talking about the Mets' needs, I look at the infield right now, and I don't see it as a major concern. Do they have to address third base? Certainly. And if you look right now, the only thing that's guaranteed is Francisco Lindor is going to be your starting shortstop, and Pete Alonso will be your starting first baseman. But I believe Jeff McNeil is going to have a bounce back that can be at third base, that can be at second base, or that could be in left field. I believe that Louis Guillaume is a very solid infielder to go into a season with as that first glove off the bench that can play all the positions. It can start for you as somebody goes down. J.D. Davis might get traded. He might stay if he stays. He is at least a solid bat. I've complained about him plenty. But as far as your infield, there is some options there. There's certainly some better fallback options than looking to the outfield right now where it's basically Brandon Nimmo and nothing. Dominic Smith, maybe he bounces back, but... We all know he's not really a great outfielder. He's turned himself into a passable one, but if he's not hitting, I mean, he just can't swallow that defense. So you go into this season with Nemo being the only guarantee in the outfield. In the minors, you got Khalil Lee coming up the ranks, but I don't think that he's guaranteed to be a starting level player. I think right now you're still looking maybe a little bit more fourth outfielder until he proves otherwise at the big league level. So Marte is the perfect fit right now for this team that's trying to win right now. And that's why I look at that contract. If it is five for 110, even it's 22 a year over all those years. And I say, it's a big pill to swallow. It's, it's certainly not a contract that I go in with hundred percent certainty that he's going to live up to it. But if I look at 2022 and I say, that Starling Marte is going to make $22 million that season, that is certainly a price I'd be willing to pay. And you have to be thinking about the next two or three years. This is still your window right now when Jacob deGrom is still in his prime, where you have Francisco Lindor in the prime of his career, where Pete Alonso is not making an obscene amount of money. He still hasn't gotten to those arbitration years where he's going to start to make more and more each season. That's going to come soon, but you got to maximize right now. The Mets want to be big spenders, and if you're going to be a big spender, 
get the free agent that fits your team the most, no matter what the cost. And honestly, when you compare the cost of a Starling Marte to maybe spending upwards of $300 million on a Carlos Correa, that contract does not seem as outlandish, certainly. So I look at what George Springer could have brought to the Mets last year. I wanted them to sign George Springer. They didn't. This is a second chance at a player that's a little bit different, but will fill that position of need just like Springer would have. It'll give you a starting outfielder under control for years to come. If you're going to lose Conforto, the only replacement I want in free agency is Starling Marte. Now, could they make a trade? Could they go other routes? Absolutely. And that's why there's still so much to talk about throughout this offseason on Locked On Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB. As I'm recording here, Game 6 is just about to start, so you can get all of your coverage of the World Series there. Follow Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.